0: Prison service in England and Wales is under strain due to a rising jail population and anticipated cuts of up to 40% to the Ministry of Justice's budget in next month's spending review. But efforts to make savings are being stymied by an influx of older people into jails, partly fuelled by a spike in prosecutions for historic sex offences following revelations about Jimmy Savile three years ago. This presents both practical problems around the treatment of the ill and dying and ethical dilemmas about whether the elderly offenders should be in prison at all. I'm Anna Dedder from the Financial Times comment and analysis desk and with me on the phone is Helen Worrell, public policy correspondent, who has been granted rare access to Ryehill sex offenders prison near Rugby. First, Helen, the Ministry of Justice has been reluctant to allow journalists into jails over the past year or so. Why a clampdown? Well...
1: Under the coalition, there were serious attempts to cut back on public services and impose a regime of austerity. And one of the effects of that has been that public sector prisons have had to cut back on staffing levels and make savings, which is obviously extremely difficult to do. In a report earlier this year, the Chief Inspector of Prisons found that following a series of cutbacks, prisons had actually deteriorated to the worst level that he'd seen for ten years. And he cited serious overcrowding, rising levels of violence, not enough staff around to take prisoners from the wing to do more purposeful training or activity. And that's the sort of thing that leads to unrest and disruption. So Chris Grayling, who was Justice Secretary before the current incumbent, Michael Gove, did try to cut down on the number of journalists going into prisons. And for the last couple of years, it has become much, much harder for the press to go in and to see what's going on for themselves. Now I was allowed into Rye Hill to write this piece about older prisoners and Rye Hill is actually run by G4S which is a private contractor. G4S was extremely happy for me to go and wanted to show me around but I think it's a sign of some of the difficulties of access that I'm actually the first journalist that this company has been allowed to take to any prison
0: for well over a year. That's remarkable isn't it? That it should be so much behind the curtain. Now, the over 60s are the fastest growing group in custody. At Ryhill, 40% are over 50 and nearly one in five is over 60. Is this because the numbers of elderly sex offenders have been rising disproportionately, or is it reflected across the prison population? I think it's probably a combination of both those things. Partly it's because
1: over the past few years offenders have been given longer sentences. But I think the far bigger reason is because of this flood of historic sex offences which started off after the revelations that we heard about Jimmy Savile and the fact that he'd been this absolutely prolific offender. I mean just to give you an idea of the sorts of things that are happening now now one pensioner who was actually 94 was convicted of a sex crime and transferred from his care home into prison. So that gives you a sense of the sorts of ages of people who are coming into the prison estate now and also the level of care that they need
0: right from day one. So do we know how much this is going to cost the government with the extra care that they need? One of the problems here is that because individual prisons are having to
1: bear the cost of adapting their facilities for older prisoners, there's no central estimate of how much this is actually going to cost. And I think that's quite surprising because it means that potentially the Ministry of Justice doesn't know the level of financial liability that it's going to have in the future. And also it puts huge pressure on individual prison governors at the moment because they need to find this money from somewhere. The other thing that I think is important to bear in mind is that the cost isn't necessarily just on the prison. It spills out across the public sector more widely. So for instance, in one case that I heard about while I was at Rye Hill, there's a prisoner who is taking up a bed in his local hospital and can't be transferred from there because there is no cell in prison big enough to accommodate the type of specialist equipment that he needs. Whereas if he'd been at home, um, living at home as a normal resident, he wouldn't be taking up that hospital place.
0: And does he need to be guarded while he's in the hospital?
1: Yes, this is an additional issue and one of the most expensive aspects of having prisoners in hospital is that prison governors have to essentially pay for bed watches, which means paying for prison officers to accompany prisoners while they're in hospital and make sure that they're under requisite security.
0: And presumably it's not very convenient for the hospitals either to have all these extra people there.
1: No, I mean, I I think this causes inconvenience all round.
0: Can you tell us some of the other adjustments and special facilities that you've found Rye Hill has had to make to cater for the disabled and the ill?
1: Yeah, sure. So some of the examples are, for instance, at Rye Hill, the education centre is on the first floor. So as a result of this, the prison has had to install stair lifts so that older and disabled prisoners can get from the ground floor to the first floor They've also had to install handles and non-slip flooring in the shower and make washing facilities safer for people who are in wheelchairs or who are unsteady on their feet. This may sound like something that's quite straightforward to do, but actually it's a lot more complicated than you would imagine because lots of the inmates at Rye Hill are a very high suicide risk. They have high levels of psychiatric problems. And one of the problems that they found is that installing shower handles, for instance, you have to make sure that that's not a ligature risk. So all of these things have added
0: complications. Now, Helen, some of these old people will never be released. They'll die in prison. And some, you found, are so demented, they don't even know that they are in jail. Should they be incarcerated? What are the differing views? Well, this is
1: always going to be a controversial issue. And this is something that I think the Ministry of Justice and the government more widely is going to have to really seriously think about, Everyone agrees that obviously some sex offenders have committed such heinous crimes that they should definitely be in prison whatever age they are and to some extent maybe whatever condition they're in. But having said that, there are also questions about people who have serious disabilities or those who have really advanced degenerative illnesses or degenerative mental diseases and don't actually know where they are. And I think one of the things that is gradually being formed as a, as a sort of consensus is should we be prosecuting people if they have dementia? Should we be imprisoning people who have dementia? And If you make the decision not to imprison somebody because of their mental capacities, what do you do instead? One of the things that Nick Hardwick, the Chief Inspector of Prisons, has suggested to me is that maybe some offenders could make financial reparations for what they've done, or there could be restrictions placed on their liberty in other ways. So, for instance, they could be detained within their own homes. But the problem with this is, obviously, in the background we know that Sex offences are extremely high on the list of public concerns. It's a very emotive subject. And we just don't know how much of this, if any, is going to be acceptable to the wider public.
0: Thank you very much, Helen. No problem. To listen to a podcast of Helen's full report, go to ft.com.